Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is a place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hi, and welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast where we learn how to be better photographers. I'm your host, Linford Morton, but of course, you can call me Lynn. This is episode 54, and today we're going to learn how to keep people from stealing your best images. That's right. People will steal your images, folks, online. I know it's hard to believe, and today we're going to talk about how we prevent that or even respond to it if it happens to you. I have 13 suggestions for protecting your images, and after that I have one more that you can use, but only if you dare. <laughs> so how do you keep people people from stealing your images? That's what we'll talk about today. All right, so today's question is, or topic rather, is how you protect your images online and how you keep them from being stolen. And so the question I really got came from one of our members in our Facebook group, and she asked me if she should use a watermark. Now, my answer was, well, it depends, and largely it depends on what problem you're trying to solve with this watermark. So I know that when most people ask about watermarks, what they're really saying is, I I, want to protect my work. I want to keep people from stealing my best images. So I said, okay, let's deal with the larger question about having people steal your images, because that's the primary use reason people would ask for about a watermark. I mean, there are other reasons for using watermarks, like branding your images. But if you're branding images, you probably um, are, are already doing that deliberately. So let's back up and let's talk about theft online and how to keep people from stealing your images. And I came up with 13 ways to deal with potential theft online. And in addition to those 13, there's one more I I identified that you can use, but only if you dare. (laughs) So anyway, with that ominous warning, let's go through 13 ways to keep your images safe online. Now, number one, since since we, we said this is about watermarks, let's start there. People... You see people on the internet and on the web all the time using watermarks on their images. And, of course, they say, well, it's to protect and, and to keep people from stealing it. But the, 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 the truth of the matter is it doesn't do either. It doesn't protect them. It doesn't keep anyone from stealing. Now, I heard a story um, from a blogger a couple of weeks ago. And so she has... You know, she's not a, a, a photographer or a professional photographer, but, she, you know, she has this blog and she created these T-shirts that she was going to sell for her business. And 
So she went to Fiverr, you know, Fiverr.com, where you can get people to do stuff for just five bucks. And she, she, she got a designer to, she said, I want a photograph of a girl with long earrings, with big earrings for this T-shirt because she was doing this um, sort of a natural hair theme kind of a thing. She wanted big earrings and that's the look she was going for. And so, you know, someone's bid on won the job and, you know, sent over the images he had and she thought, okay, this looks great. And then she asked for some modifications, uh, make her make her blouse red. Okay, boom, blouse was red. Can you make the earrings a little, yep, yep, got that, done. It made all the all of, all of her changes sent her the final image. So she's like happy, great. And then she said one day she wakes up and she looks in her email box and there's an email there that said, you're using my images in your T-shirts. And she said her heart sank like, whoa, like, wait a minute, how is that possible? And the guy then, you know, the person who sent the email, she wrote back and found out that the person who sold the images of you know, to her and modify them was using someone else's photographs that he's stolen. And and she saw, she said, this was just so crazy because with all of the changes and modifications I requested, if he had the talent to do all that, he probably had the talent to create his own images, but he didn't. So, you know, they worked it out. She took it down. They blocked this, you know, per person from Fiverr. But the point is, this guy said he had a watermark on his images. And this person went on, removed the watermark, and then resold the images as his own. So having a watermark doesn't really protect you from having people steal it because people now are becoming so Photoshop savvy that a person who's intent on stealing can remove the watermark and remove it fairly easily. Now, as I said before, you can use the watermark if you are using it, as some people do, as a, as a branding tool. For instance, at one point, I was thinking about putting like lens picks on my images just so that it, it had sort of like a not just a consistent branding, but also pointed people back to where the source was if they, you know, so desired. And and I and I stopped doing that. And and for me, the reason is I find the watermark to be distracting. So for me, the putting a watermark on a really great image is the equivalent of putting of buying this really expensive, really fabulous house and then putting a pink flamingo on the front lawn. Because no matter how small and how tasteful that pink flamingo is, and, and I know you might love pink flamingos, but let me tell you something, you'll always see the pink flamingo. You'll always go, what a great house. Look at that pink flamingo, right? And I wouldn't want that or anything detracting from my big, beautiful house. And so I see the the watermark in the same way, in, in that you have a beautiful image that you've you've just created and you put that watermark there and no matter how small or or tasteful you think you're creating it at some point we we all see it and we go oh look and again if it's branding that's what you want but in some ways it it's it's a distraction from the real thing which is the image so you can use a watermark but it's not a deterrent from someone who does want to steal your image and it is, you know, in the worst case, a distraction. Now, here's where a watermark is helpful for you in 
in terms of theft. Because if you put the watermark there and you've done other things to register the copyright, and we'll talk about that, but if you've done that and someone removes the watermark, then it shows that they have a clear intention on stealing your work. So now you can you can now further prove the intent. Like this is no accident when this image shows up somewhere else because they went through the trouble of cropping or removing your watermark. And now you have a stronger legal case that this person intended to steal your photograph. So that's the deal on watermarks, okay? It's not a prevention, it's not a deterrent, but it can bolster your case if someone does, in fact, take it off. And, of course, there's the branding element. So that's reason number one, or the first way to keep people from or, or, or deal with people who want to steal your images is to use a watermark. Right. Number two is adding the copyright notice. And I alluded to this uh, just just now. So the copyright notice on or near your photo is really a notice. Notice is the key word because you have a copyright in the United States anyway. The minute you create the photograph, the minute you depress the shutter, create a photograph and it's written to the card. According to the law, you now are protected and you now have a copyright on that image. Now, that just means you own the image and the government recognizes you owe the image. You own the image, you know, of course, if you can prove that. So what the copyright notice does is now tells everyone that I do own this. You're on notice now that I own this image. And so for someone who might, um, you know, inadvertently take an image when they see the copyright, they might, they can go, oh, that's protected. I, sh- I should leave that alone. And so even for people who don't know better, when they see the copyright symbol, they know that it's a sign that they should back off. Okay. Now, if you want full protection, again, you have to register the, your photograph with the copyright office and get that protection. And what that does is, you know, you're automatically protected when you take the photograph. Once you register it, then you can now claim damages if someone takes it and uses it willfully. Okay. So that extra level of protection helps you if you want to 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 claim damages and get money back from someone who stole your image. So you can use the copyright notice on the image. And this is sort of like we talked about with the watermark. You can put it discreetly somewhere, usually bottom right, bottom left, one of the corners and small and not out of the way because you try not to distract, right? And then the other way of doing it, if you don't want to place it on the image itself, is to put it right near the image, like right underneath the image where you might see... um, a cut line is what we called it in photojournalism, but uh, a caption. Right where you'd put the caption, this is a photograph of the cherry blossoms, photo by Linford Morton with the copyright symbol Linford Morton 2016. So that you know, that's how you might do it. You you'll also want to have somewhere, somewhere on that page your contact information because if someone sees the copyright and decides they do want to use it lawfully or legally, you want to make it easy for them to contact you for licensing. All right. So adding a copyright notice is number two. Number three is disabling the right click. 
Now, I think almost everyone these days knows that the easiest way to swipe an image from a website is to right-click and then download the image. And so to prevent someone from stealing your image, you prevent them from using the right-click. And that makes it harder to take it down. And in addition to making it harder to take it down, it provides that extra level of protection. Now, to disable the right-click, if you have a blog in WordPress, it's as easy as including a special plugin that disables the right-click. And if you're not using WordPress, then you might use a platform that was created specifically for photographers. For instance, Zenfolio has an a disable right-click feature built into the images on their platform. So if you decide to use, um, let's say, a gallery in Zenfolio, you can just turn that off and automatically that won't work anymore because their product is created specifically for for photographers. They know that this feature is one that will be helpful for photographers. So disabling the right-click is number three. Okay, number four is adding a DMCA badge. So if you go to dmca.com, you notice that this service offers a free badge and website certificate that you can display on your site informing your visitors that your images are protected. So it's as simple as cutting and pasting into your site and they it will just display saying these images are protected and there's a DMCA badge. And then you can also go further and get the certificate that says all the images on this page are protected. And this is all free. And then dmca.com has an additional service where you can now um, get a search feature. And with the pro level paid service, you get what's called a website detective and that scans to find out who's using your content. And then with that service, they give you up to 10 takedown requests, meaning they will make an effort to get the person to take down the image for you. With the free service, you get one free takedown request per year. And DMCA has claimed, or they're claiming now as of today, um, in February of 2016, that they've got close to 73, 73 million photos taken down based on their service. So sounds to me like a, a pretty effective way of going. So you, you get their service, you put the badge on your site, you get the website certificate. And if someone still takes, if someone still ignores the badge that says this stuff is protected, then they'll make an effort to help you get them to take the image down from their site, which usually means going to them first. And if not getting it any results from them going to the internet service provider and uh, making a formal request of the internet service provider that this image is being used has been um, stolen or or is being used illegally. And that usually is good enough to get the image taken down. All right. So number four, add a DMCA badge from DMCA.com to your website and and the pages where your photos are are being um, were shared, and that will help you to protect it. Number five, you want to disable the hot linking. Now, some of these are going to be better for people who know their way around code. 
So when you disable hot linking, you, what you what you do is you don't prevent people from downloading it with the right click, but you prevent people from embedding your photograph. And this is something that some bloggers might do because they're looking for images to illustrate their blog posts. And a lot of them don't really know that you can't just go take other things. Or better yet, some of them think, well, if I just embed it and it still resides on your website then I'm not technically stealing it. And they think they're clear with that. And so you might have that. So it's actually being shown on their website, but it's being shown because it's embedded from your website. And and a way to, to keep that from happening, of course, is to disable that kind of hot linking. So there again, there's a WordPress code, or you can go get into and hack the actual code to do that. I'll, of course, have links to, so, to these on the show notes for this episode. So number six, if you suspect someone is already stealing your images or might have already stolen your images, or even if you're just curious, what then you can do a reverse image search. And what you'll do then is go to images.google.com, enter the URL of the image on your website, or just take and drop the image into the Google into into the Google image search page and Google will just scour the internet and look for all the images that look similar to yours and return you all the instances they found of your images. And so then you can see where they are and if someone is using it illegally, then of course you can begin the process of asking them to take it down. All right. Um, number seven, you can use Digimark Guardian for images. Now, this service is like a lowjack for your stolen photos. What you're going to do with Digimark is embed a digital barcode into your image that resides in the file and it communicates your copyrights to anyone who opens the file and looks and and looks at it. And then with Digimark, they provide another level of service where they do tracking and monitoring. And so then they search the internet and then they will, because they have the digital embedded code, they can find your images much easier. And then they produce a report of all the sites where their images were found. And of course, now it's on you how you decide to respond to that. So with Digimark Guardian, you can embed a a code and then use that to search and find where your images are on the web. Okay, so that's number seven. Number eight is post-only low-resolution photos. So you you can limit the damages, so to speak, by only giving low-resolution images. Now, this doesn't stop anyone from taking your photograph, but if they take them, they'll have a low resolution, which isn't really good for anything commercial or professional or anything serious, quite honestly. So when I say low resolution, I mean at least 500 pixels wide is big enough for people to see the image, but not big enough for them to do anything serious with it. And of course, this would be at a 72 DPI resolution, um, which is good for online viewing. So they can't print with it. They can't do anything serious with it. Just keep low resolution images out there. And that in and of itself will just limited to just casual use and not uh, being stolen by anyone who's going to try and use it commercially. 
The other thing is, if you're going to put high-resolution images on galleries, for instance, if you are working as a photographer, you're taking images, and you want to send images to a potential client, for instance, what you can do is password protect the the uh, folder where the images are being held and require registration for access, which means in order for anyone to go in and get access to the high resolution files, they're going to having to, to, to share their name and their email address. So, you know, this is going to be good because it puts people on notice that when they get access to the images, you know who they are. And because people aren't going and viewing your images anonymously, um, because you disable anonymous viewing, it, it, it makes people less likely to want to do the nefarious things. People tend to only want to do that when they know they're, they aren't leaving a fingerprint, much less a name and a place to find you. Okay, so number nine will be require registration for your image galleries. Number 10 is use tables. And this is another way to disable your right-clicking to download files. And if you know your way around CSS encoding, you can put the image as a background to tables. You'll use what's called, you will use background slash image, you know, um, colon URL style. And what this will do is put the image behind uh, a table so that when they right click, it won't, you, they won't actually be able to take it down, right? So that's number 10. If you know your way around coding, you will just use tables. And if you know your way around coding, another way to do it is to put a blank file over the image. And with this method, people can't reach the image unless they go directly to the source. So what you'll have the original file will be as a background and you'll put a transparent blank file over it. So when you right click, what you'll only get is a blank GIF. A blank GIF, if you pronounce it that way. So you put a blank GIF over your file, so when they right-click, they'll get nothing rather than getting the actual image. Number 12 is auto-slice the image. Now, so slicing is when you intentionally, intentionally crop your images into four or more pieces so that when the images are uploaded, the one photograph is uploaded into, let's say, if you slice it like a tic-tac-toe, nine squares. And then the nine squares are assembled so it looks like one photograph on your website. But if someone tries to right-click, what they'll get is only one of the nine squares rather than the entire image. I remember a long time ago when, when you made websites, you almost always had to do this with larger files because it just helped them load faster. You don't see that as much these days when we are uploading images to websites. But the technology is still there for you to just slice it up into nine smaller images so that when someone tries to right-click, they don't get the whole thing. And if they really want to steal it, they've got to download the whole puzzle and reassemble the whole puzzle. So you're just making it hard for them. Make them work for it, All right? So that's number 12, auto-slice the image. And then number 13 is, let's say you do see someone out there, because we've talked about these instances where you might actually find the photograph being used, you will send a cease and desist letter. And a, a formal cease and desist letter basically tells them to knock it off. Like, basically, it's what the person in the story I began the episode with 
got. It's an it's a notice that says it's a formal letter that says you are using this image. That image belongs to me. And just in case you didn't know, I'm letting you know now. And please take it down. And usually this is a an eight of best first response because many people who are using your images might not know they're doing it illegally. And given the chance to 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 fix things, they most certainly will. This is uh, most people. And and then another way of dealing with it, rather than the cease and desist, is, is to just send them an invoice for what you think it's worth. Now, this gets people's attention. So basically, you go, hey, I'm so glad you decided to use my photograph of the cherry blossoms. I hope, you, you hope you're enjoying it. Now, my traditional rate for this image in this usage is blank, blank, blank. And so for your convenience, I've attached an invoice. Please go ahead and feel free to take care of that right away. That gets people's attention. And if they don't respond to that, send it to collections. Let a collections agency go after them. Because, and and there was, so yeah, this there's this story. I also read about another blogger who used this, used this image and they were a content marketing agency, meaning they created blog posts for businesses. And in part in in, in part of creating Im- the, their blog posts, they would have to go out and find images to illustrate. Well, they went and swiped this image from this guy's website, you know, from this guy's website and used it without permission. Well, the owner of that photo sent them a bill for $8,000. So now this guy writes a really snarky blog post saying, you know, how dare he charge me 8000 for this photograph. It's not worth 8000 The photograph wasn't that good to begin with. And by the way, this guy hasn't, you know, made $8,000 in anything ever in his life. None of those things matter. It doesn't matter that you don't think it's worth 8000 It doesn't matter that he you you think that because he's never sold anything else for that it matters that you took it without permission and it matters how you are using it and how many times it's out there and so this person in this story ended up having to settle out of court for three thousand dollars for one image so because someone stole an image for th- and and used without asking they sent him an invoice for $8,000 and negotiated it down to $3,000. And I'm thinking if you bumped it to someone using your image without permission and were able to, you know, claim $3,000 for it, you think in most cases that was, you know, justice being served, right? So so as a, an invoice with a cease and desist is always a good way to get someone's attention. If you're really serious, you can enforce it, especially if the image is registered with the copyright office. All right. So send a cease and desist letter. I'll have a template, a link to an online template that you can use if you want to send someone a cease and desist letter. And that's the 13th way of dealing with someone who might have or stolen or wants to steal your image. One, use a watermark. Two, add a copyright notice. Three, disable the right click. Number four, add a DMCA badge. Number five, disable the hot link. Number six, do a reverse image search. Number seven, use a Digimart Guardian for your images. Number eight, use only low-resolution photos. Number nine, require registration for image galleries. Number 10, use tables. Number 11, put a blank file over the image. And number 12, auto-slice the images. Number 13, send a cease and desist letter 
and think of including an invoice with it. All right? So these 13 ways of, 13 suggestions for dealing with, but remember I said there's, a, there's one more you can use if you, if you choose to or if you dare to. And that is, let them steal it. Now, I know this is like heresy for a lot of photographers, but then you have to decide where you want to spend your energy because if you go through these 13 things that I've just listed, you can be effective, but it will take up a lot of your time. And that's time you could use to go out and produce and create more images as well as time you could use to edit and market and get yourself out there and get more people to find you. So you've got to decide you know, how you want to spend your time. Do you want to spend it creating or playing offense or playing defense? Now, one of the internets, or the internets, one of the, the biggest travel photography blogs uses this very philosophy. Trey Radcliffe from Stuck in Customs he actually has a blog post that says, go ahead and steal this image if you want to. And in this post, he says, you know, if people want to do this, it's not the end of the world. He says, maybe they're just a fan and that has, and they have very little money and they, they just want to make a small personal print to enjoy on their own. They know they're not getting the best quality or a limited edition copy, but at least they're getting to enjoy the art. And in fact, I think that's kind of nice. And he also says, you know, he doesn't live his life in fear. What if someone steals it? He says, you know, I'm not going to be controlled by fear. And I'm not going to let that um, influence my decisions. He says, I believe the world is mostly full of people who would rather do the right thing for the artist and see the good reasons to buy a print now or in the future. So he says he does register his images with the copyright office. So if someone uses it commercially without proper license, it's an easy lawsuit. He wins those all the time. Not using a watermark and using Creative Commons, which is a way of using and pre-authorizing people to use your image and use it without um, for, in ways that you specify. And I, I have a, a former episode on that that I'll link to if you want to learn more about that. You know, it allows people to use it freely for fun. And it, what he just said it happens is it increases traffic and builds something he calls Internet Trust. If more people link to your images, then you get more Google juice and that flows down your river and draws more people to your site and it, it all works out in the end. So he argues that it's not worth the energy to go after people or protect unless they're using it commercially. Because, you know, my my philosophy on that is if you're making money, then I ought to make money. If you're going to make money in my photographs then I want to make money in my photographs. But if you're not making any money on it, and if you're just using it for fun or for your blog, you know, I use the Creative Commons license and structure when I put stuff on Flickr all the time. And, and that's primarily because, because I use Creative Commons to illustrate some of my blog posts. And so I think it's only fair that, that I feed the community from which I benefit. That's why I do it. And so you'll see in a number of my blog posts, you'll see Flickr CC photo buy. And that just means it's a Creative Commons license and structure that says you can use it for non, usually I get the ones that are used for non-commercial purposes. Okay, so the the person says you can use the image, just give me credit for it, which is why I have their name. And usually if you click on the link of that photo, if you click on that photograph, it will link you back to that person's site so that they get 
you know, not just the, the credit, but a, but if you want to find out more about who they are and follow their work, then it gives them the exposure that they are looking for. Which So, you know, they get something from it. But the point is, that's their choice. As the artist, that was her choice or his choice to say, you can use it and I will pre-approve it with Creative Commons. And of course, there's a link to Creative Commons in that episode if you want to learn more about it. So this is what Trey Radcliffe suggests, and this is the final way of dealing with people who might steal your images on the web. Let them steal it. And as long as they're using it and they're using it for their own personal purposes, then, you know, you might decide it's not worth it to go after them and to just take it as a compliment. Now, sometimes it starts innocently and goes and spirals out of control. And so there's this interview that I did a while back with Karen Markhart, who was one of the the photographers in our community, and she took a photograph of of the tomb of the unknown, the the the, the soldiers guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington Cemetery, and she took it during a rainstorm, and someone stole it innocently on Facebook, took it innocently, and labeled it as they were guarding the tomb during Hurricane Sandy, and from there it went viral, and after that it it was taken by news organizations and 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 used all without giving her any credit attribution, and she went after all of them, and by the time they were done... That image had been seen more than a billion times. I'll have a link to that interview also in the show notes if you want to hear more about that one. But it was used more than a billion times. And so she had to use many of the things we talked about in this episode to go after people and say, hey, either take it down or give me credit. And I think she ended up selling some of the images and using the money to go back and uh, and uh, support the troops from that unit. Um, the third infantry who actually guards the tomb of the unknown soldier. And so, you know, this is something she cared about because at the time her husband was the commander of that unit. So, so that, you know, so here's, and here is where all these three things, all these things converge. Someone right clicked and downloaded it from Facebook, passed it on, passed it on, passed it on. And before you know it, people started using it commercially, and she had to go after them and get them to take it down. And now all of her images, I think, are 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 marked. So we talk about how to keep people from stealing your images because people might do it innocently, but uh, and and it might start that way. But then there are those who will, you know, go after and 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 deliberately steal your images, and you want to know how to deal with them too. So. Wherever you find yourself, you've got plenty of information now to decide how you want to deal with them, with with your images and people who might use them without permission. So now I'm going to ask you, have you had someone take your image or have you found someone using your image without permission? Let me know in the comments or continue the conversation in our Facebook group for the Shutterbug Excursions. That's facebook.com. That's fb.shutterbuglife.com will take you straight there. All right? So that's it. Um, That's all on the episode for how to keep people from stealing your best images. I hope that helped. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Lynn. If your pictures aren't turning out the way you want, an easy solution might be just around the corner. Now, I taught thousands of photographers doing my popular photo tours around Washington, D.C., New Orleans, and New York City. And doing more than 600 workshops, I noticed there were 12 mistakes most photographers were making with their images. Now, if you want to know what they are and how you might measure up, you can check this Dirty Dozen list and see what's keeping you from taking your best pictures, creating your meaningful art, and making your ultimate impact. Go to 12photomistakes.com. There I have a free ebook and a free audiobook for those of us who prefer listening rather than reading. And you can download both and listen to them or read the 12 mistakes and see where you might be measuring up. That's 12photomistakes.com to see how you are doing and how you're measuring up against 12 of the most common mistakes photographers make. Go get it now. That's it for another episode of the Shutterbug Life Podcast. I hope that was helpful for you. And you got a lot to think about in terms of securing your images online and responding to people who might be using them without permission. Uh, again, want to hear from you in terms of whether or not you've had to deal with that. You know, in my show notes, I do. I have the interview we did earlier with Jen of of Jen Herman, uh, who's an Instagram um, expert, and she saw a local television station using her images and went after them and got and used social media to get them to take it down. And that's her story. But I want to hear yours if you had to deal with that or um, what you might do with the information you got today. You can, of course, find you can continue the conversation of this episode, episode 54, by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash podcast and then finding episode 54. You could just put 054 to the search bar. It should bring it right up for you. Um, and, and then we also have the Facebook group where we continue conversations. And if you go to fb.shutterbooklife.com, it'll take you straight there. And if you, you know, request, I'll let you in and you can continue the conversation with us there as, as well. If you are in Washington, D.C. or New York City, of course, you can join one of our meetups. We're always, we're a friendly group of photographers, always glad to have you. And then finally, this this podcast is a weekly podcast. And if you enjoy it, tell someone about it and invite a friend to come on and join us next week. Or you can even go back and listen to some and, and start from the beginning and listen to past episodes. Make sure you don't miss an episode by going to shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe. And of course, if you listen to your podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher, you can find the podcast there as well. And of course, I would invite you to leave a review because that is very helpful for the podcast and getting more people on board. All right. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and listening to another episode. Hey, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I started periscoping this past week and I did a periscope on a topic on how you do street portraits, which is, you know, I've, I've done a 
podcast episode on that, but I did a a Periscope on that as well, and I probably will be doing more of them. So if you are on Periscope or on Twitter, you can just look for me. It's at Linford Morton, L-Y-N-F-O-R-D-M-O-R-T-O-N, and you'll find me there. And you can follow along and scope with me during the week between episodes. All right? Okay, that's it. Nothing else. I'm out of here. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the next, the rest of your week. Whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug life. Take care.